Please join your hearts together with mine in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time where you gather us together around your gifts, your word, your sacrament, your presence as you promised to be in the midst of your people for our good, for our benefit, for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you, Lord, for that promise. We pray, Lord, that you remove distractions from our hearts and from our minds at this time, that we would hear your word as you shape us by it. In your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A good night's sleep. I, I remember them from some time past, some time long ago. It doesn't seem that I have quite as many of them anymore. Um, and I don't know necessarily, well, I do know somewhat of what that is. It's, it's just responsibilities and life and concerns and caffeine and all these other things that tend to keep me up much longer than they should or make my sleep restless. Uh, I remember those days as a kid. I could lay my head down on a pillow, and it seemed like maybe five or ten minutes had gone by, yet eight, ten, eleven hours had gone by, and you wake up refreshed and ready to go for the day. Uh, you had a good night's sleep. And maybe those will come again as the years go on. I don't know, but you know, over the past several years, those anxieties have been there. Is everything okay in the house? Are the children going to sleep okay? Have they been taken care of well? Is this bill going to get paid? Is that bill going to get paid? Uh, you know, are the cars going to be all, all the different anxieties of life just within a household, let alone a year like this, and with wondering about health, loved one's health, and I'm sure over the past several, maybe two or three weeks, there's been other anxieties that have come along. As we've been listening through the presidential campaigns and the races and all the propositions in California, and you know, as the counting of all of the ballots and everything else were going on, anxieties rise again, and maybe this weekend as those counts come to a little more finality, some of your anxieties have been lessened, or maybe they've been raised. I don't really know. But there's anxieties and different things that tend to cause us to not sleep well. Well, the Thessalonians had an uh, idea about sleep too. You see, Paul was speaking into their lives and their fear and their anxiety was that if someone they loved who died in faith, well, they weren't going to get to see Jesus. See, because in their mind, coming from a pagan background, their mind was when somebody dies, the spirit leaves the body, it crosses the river Styx, and it goes into Hades, and there's no coming back. No matter if Jesus comes back or not. They thought that you had to be alive to experience when Jesus would come back, and he would gather those who were alive and take them with him, and then restore everything. But if you had died, their worry was that you were die? You had died. You it was it. You were dead. See, they had no purpose for a body at that point. They figured it was just some spiritual place that you ended off being, and that was the end of things. Well, that's quite a fear, you know. Sometimes we might be tempted to have that same fear. But it's in the midst of that mindset that Jesus says, look, I don't want you to grieve as those who have no hope. Now hear those words for a second. He did not say, I don't want you to grieve. You see, I think we have a lot of that going on in our culture a lot of times too because people don't like to say the words death. 
and die and dead. Those are words that seem harsh because they are harsh. It's like broccoli, harsh. They're harsh words, okay? But death and die, Gavin's nodding his head going, yep, right on with broccoli. I got that one. But they're words that are hard for us to say sometimes because they feel offensive. And you know what? It is. Death is offensive to God. It was not part of the original creation. He did not create things to die. He created them to live. Death is the consequence of sin, which is a corruption of creation. And the death that comes along is God's wrath upon sin. So death is harsh. It doesn't change the fact that it happens. And so a lot of times we sanitize it, right? We say pass away, which is very calm sounding, but it's also kind of general. It doesn't really focus on anything. And I was really interested. I, I wanted to know when that, where that term came from. It's actually been in use since the mid-1300s. It's not a new phrase at all. And it was in a book of prayers. They were talking about someone who uh, had died, and they were trying to describe this process of their spirit going to be with God. And so in the fuller prayer, it was pass away along the lines of the presence of God. Okay? And I get it. It's okay to say these things sometimes because people have a hard time receiving the words about death. And in that caring moment, we want to be gentle a lot of times. I'm not telling you to not say it anymore. But it's also okay to deal with the reality of death. Okay? Because Jesus really died. And our loved ones really died. But God speaks into that in the same way that Paul spoke into it to the Thessalonians, okay? Because as Paul's speaking into it to the Thessalonians, again, he said, I don't want you to grieve as those who have no hope, but I still want you to grieve just simply as those who do have hope. So as someone grieves, you know, we don't have to push death away in one small corner and just have a celebration of life or just remember the good times or just remember all the beautiful moments. Those are good things to remember. But we can remember them in the uh, same sentences also realizing that we don't get to be with that person anymore right now. To have that joy and that mourning all tied together is an okay thing. I wish there were more times like days past where you would have a wake, right? Go to a church service and a funeral service and you would deal with the sadness of things that were there and then prayerfully hear the joy and the gospel from a pastor, but then go home with everybody and have a beer and enjoy telling the good times of the person's life and enjoy telling the sad times and cry together and laugh together and mourn as those who do have hope, right? So Paul speaks into the Thessalonians' lives and he's speaking into their time and he's saying, look, don't grieve as those who have no hope because here's the deal. Jesus died, yes, but he also rose again. And remember, their fear was that those who had died would stay dead and never get to experience a time with Jesus. And so when he speaks to them, he says, yes, Jesus died for their, you know, for their forgiveness of their sins, but he also rose again for the forgiveness of their sins. And you have been baptized into that same death and resurrection. See, we have a hard time dealing with death but let me take a little bit of weight off your shoulders. You've already died in your baptism. You were buried into Christ's death. His death became your death. You have died to sin. You have died to the wrath of God. You have died to that death. 
So now, yes, your body is going to die one day, but guess what? Jesus is going to bring it back to life, right? See, there's a hope in the life that Jesus gives us because he not only died on our behalf, but he also raised from the dead on our behalf so that he would then give us life and not death. There's this beautiful line from one of my favorite hymns. Uh, the hymn is called, uh, God's Own Child, I Gladly Say It. And the first beginning part of it says, God's own child, I gladly say it, I am baptized into Christ. And there's a bunch of beautiful verses, and about the fifth verse is this great line. It says, open-eyed, my grave is staring, yet even there I'll sleep secure. Think about that for a moment. Imagine standing at a funeral plot, okay? You're in the cemetery. You've got a funeral plot there. There's a hole in the ground six feet deep by however long, by however wide, and you know that's your place. Looking at it, at your own mortality, knowing that your days will end and your body will be laid in that hole in the dirt, and someone will walk across Somewhere along that grass that grows on top of it, maybe look at the tombstone, maybe not, but that's where you will lie. And to say, even there, I will sleep secure. See, this idea of sleep that Paul was using was not a euphemism to try and soften the words for the Thessalonians. He was not trying to just simply say this is an easier word to say than death or die. Is he? What he was saying was a beautiful proclamation of hope. Because each one of you, as you lay your head down on a pillow at night, I can guarantee one of the anxieties that is most likely not on your mind is whether or not you'll wake up in the morning. You're pretty certain you're going to wake up when you lay your head down on the pillow tonight. I'm sure you have plans for tomorrow. I'm sure you have plans for Tuesday. I'm sure you have plans for Christmas. You're pretty certain that when you lay your head down on the pillow, you're going to wake up the next day to go and do those other things. And that's all Paul's telling the Thessalonians. Your loved ones who have died in faith, they're sleeping. See, the beautiful thing about sleeping is that we wake up. This morning as we were getting ready for church, uh, one of my children was awake, one of my children was almost awake, and one of my children was sleeping. And I got to bring all three of them to church this morning. And uh, the one that was sleeping, I walk in. I was like, hey. Time to wake up. And she, okay, I named her. It was Ashlyn. Um, <laughs> and she looked at me and grabbed her blanket and curled over <laughs> and tucked right back up on the other side of the bed. And I had to go back in. I said, no, it's time to wake up. We get to go hear God's word. It's time to go to church. We get to sing his praises. We get to go where he promises to be. And Gary's already heard the joke, and so has Gavin, but I didn't really say all those things to Ashlyn. But I did have to wake her up in order to get her to the place where she needed to be. And you know what? When you die and you're sleeping in faith, it's the exact same thing Jesus is going to do. He's going to walk in and the day comes when he calls all those who have died in faith back into his presence. And he's going to say, hey, it's time to wake up. I died for you and I live for you. And you know what? It's time to be in my presence. It's time to sing praises. It's time to sit around the wedding feast of the Lamb and enjoy the meal together of all those who have died in faith and enjoy this time as God comes back to be with his creation. It's time to wake up. That's the life that you live now. 
because you've already died in your baptism and you've been risen to life in your baptism. And so that life that is promised to us, though we don't see it fully yet, that life is yours right now in this moment. That promise has been made to you and God does not break his promises. God is going to hold on to that promise and hold on to you into eternal life. When you go to bed tonight, sleep soundly because you're God. You're his child. He loves you. He's forgiven your sins and all that Jesus has done for you in his death and in his resurrection and in his coming again where he gathers his whole church together once again. So when that day comes, when your body dies, you can look at the grave and sleep soundly and secure, knowing that Jesus will walk up and say, hey, it's time to get up, child. Let's go. Amen. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love that you have for us, that even in the scariest and biggest trials of life and the things that seem most uncertain to us, you tell us to rest securely, knowing that you are God and that you have it under control and that your son Jesus defeated death and rose from it to hand us the very same gift. We pray, Lord that you would take away the temptations to doubt, take away the temptations to worry and to sleep soundly so that we would sleep soundly in your promises, sleep soundly in your grace, and sleep soundly in your mercy, knowing that you will raise us to be with you into eternity. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.